Hello and welcome to Paving the Way podcast on another episode. My name is Seth Amoa, aka Essay. I'm here with Kenny Jean-Louis, aka KJL. And we're here today with someone special, arguably, arguably the best women basketball player out of Canada. Nah, I'm, I'm going with that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> for sure out of Quebec and arguably out of Canada. Miss um, <laughs> Nara Fields. Merci, merci Nara d'avoir accepté l'invitation. Euh, je t'envoie un message, puis directement tu as, as dit oui. Euh, quand je t'envoyais le message, je ne savais pas à quoi m'attendre, parce que tu es, es à un big level, mais directement tu as dit que tu euh, as d'abord regardé les émissions, puis que tu aimais qu ce qu'on faisait. So, euh, je pense qu'il y a beaucoup de personnes qui vont euh, apprendre de ton histoire. So, merci, merci encore d'avoir accepté notre invitation. No worries, and thank you for having me, obviously. I don't feel like I'm that big time, so you reaching out, I was obviously going to do it. I mean, we had the Quebec connection right there, so obviously I had to do it for you, but thank you for having me. I appreciate okay. it, appreciate so, it, appreciate it. The first question is, where did you grow up and why did you start playing basketball? Or maybe you played another sport before? Can you tell us about that? Great question. Um, so I grew up, for the most part, I grew up in La Chine. So not, yeah, Lachine, Dorval area. And the reason why I played basketball was because I grew up with six brothers and they all six. played basketball. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they all played basketball and like whatever my brothers did, I wanted to do. Like it was like a competition. We all like played the same sport and like whoever was the best had like bragging rights. So like we're super competitive. So like it always, like I started playing football. I actually wanted to be the first girl in the NFL. I was really good at football tackle football, I played on my brother's team, I also played rugby, I did track, we did everything basically. And like, it was always a competition. So it was, if, if it was track year, like we all just like played track and then whoever got the most ribbons can go home and like have bragging rights and stuff like that. Or like, we just like kind of just like trash talk each other. So um, yeah, I wanted to be the first girl in the NFL. And then after two years of playing football, that's when my mom was like, okay, you guys have, like, you have to, like, quit because the guys are getting bigger and you're becoming a woman. And basketball is my second love, so I was like, okay, I'll just, like, commit to basketball. So after that, I started playing basketball and, like, it just became an everyday thing. I would, like, live and sleep in the gym. I would go to the park and play against all the guys. I'd be the only girl on the court. And they wouldn't treat me like a girl. They would hit me and they would foul me. And, like, that's how I really got good because I just played against a whole bunch of guys who were always better than me, always bigger, always faster. And then after that, like, I saw how my game was improving because whenever I went to play with the girls, it was so much easier. And then I saw my game evolve. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I have something to go for. Yeah. Which position did you play uh, football? Which position were you I playing? I did everything. So I was safety. I was running back. The number one position I played was wide receiver. So me and my brother Chris were kind of like the same age. So he would play on one end and I played on the other end for receiver. So, like, we both played on the same team for a bit. My first year, we didn't play on the same team because he was older. So I did everything. I was kicker, running back. I did quarterback a little bit, but I wanted like I did most of receiver and tight end stuff like that. Yeah, you always hear all these. It's crazy. It's funny you say that because you always hear all these athletes, you know, in the states playing two sports and basketball being their their second love, you know. And right, right I'm just like in shock. You said football's your first. Love. I was like, whoa. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like football. Wow, that's that really took me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When you when you started playing football, and I guess you're like you want to you go in the NFL. What made you say the NFL when you know okay, this is like that's you know all males and why right away you chose the NFL? Why not like uh, I know there's like a female football league somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think at the time I didn't even understand that they had a women's league, 
But the one game that made me say NFL is because we're playing like guys didn't think I was that good. So when I first started, they put me on like a B team. So there's an A team and a B team. But I played for LaSalle Warriors. I don't know if you heard of them. Yep. So I played with them. And then they didn't think I was that good because I was a girl, obviously. So they put me on the B team. And then every year, the A and B team, they scrimmage. And then my brother happened to be on the A team. So I was playing against my brother in my first year. I really didn't know how to play. I was just athletic. So that game, like, we weren't supposed to win. Like, they were supposed to kill us. And then I went out. I had four touchdowns all off of receiving. And then I had, like, a great game. And then basically from there, like, people understood, like, okay, she's good. Like, she's a girl, but she's really good. And then as I kept playing games, I got better. And, like, as I, like, figured out how to play, what the rules were, like, how to, like, get by people and stuff like that, then my game grew. And I was, like, really good for a girl, obviously, I'm a girl. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, then I was, like, yo, I, I enjoy it. Like, it's fun. Obviously, guys are, like, kind of mad when they think I'm a girl or they get talked <laughs> by a girl. But <laughs> I was just, like, no, I, I love the game. It was super fun to me. So I thought NFL for sure. Um, now, and when did you start playing for uh, DJ Sport, or did you, were you playing high school then DJ Sport? Like when? If I can remember, I think I was like, I was young. I was probably like in my teens, so like probably 13, 14 around there. And then, yeah, I always did football and then I would just go to basketball. But I played at LCC, so Lower Canada College. And then I met Moses, I think, later on. I don't know how we met, but we met, and then I decided to play first team, and then after that, I would just, like, play. I played three years there, so I did midget, juvenile, two years, and that was it. But, yeah, he kind of, like, figured me out. He saw me playing, I guess, and then he asked if I wanted to be on the team, and then from there, like, we had a great connection, and I just stayed with the team. Because because a lot of people say that Nara put a DJ Sport on the map, so I was that's why I had to mention DJ Sport. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I put us on the map. Like the one thing about Moses was he was really good at like understanding who was good. They weren't probably good in the environment they were in, but he understood potential. So like okay. he saw me, and then he saw other girls that had potential, and like he brought the team together in order to like make us really good. I don't think it was just me. Like there was Fatu, there was Sheila, like. We had a lot of good players that like contributed to DJ Sports, but he had a great like eye for like putting a team together. Okay. Um, you so you went to Lakeside Academy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Lakeside Academy. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's funny because when I was in high school, I used to play against Lakeside. Really? Yeah. Cool. Lauren Hill Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Hill, yeah. Okay. So same yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. So my thing is, uh, so Lakeside. Um, um, how was it? Um, because I know if you, you're from Lakeside and then you transferred to go to Ohio. I guess you went to high school in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. So I went um, to Lakeside, then I went to LCC, so Lower Canada okay, College. Okay, okay. And then I went to Ohio. So. Ohio. Yeah, so I, I want to know, what was the, like, why did you, why, why did you leave Lakeside to go to LCC and then leave LCC to go to Ohio? Um, LCC was a better opportunity academically, and they're all okay. scholarship. They just had better resources. Lakeside was a good school, it was a public school, but, like, you understand, like, the public system doesn't have a lot of resources. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, if you're in school and you're not in, like, a, like, a higher class, like, you kind of get pushed to the side. So, like, yeah. teachers don't really care as much. So, for me, I wanted to, like, be educated in a way that the teachers cared about me, but also play in a program where they had the resources needed for me to, like, really excel as a basketball player. So, that's when I went to LCC because academically, they were better. They just had everything. Okay. Everything was better there. So, that's what made me go to LCC. Okay. 
do you have any advice for people trying to, like you said, transfer for a good reason, um, how to adapt? Because you said you did like what, three, three school back to back to back. So how maybe like young kids can adapt when they're changing a place? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, for me, the thing that helped me adapt was like, I'm not actually extroverted, I'm very introverted. So for me, it actually was really hard because naturally I'm not the person to go into like a new school and like just walk up to person and say like, hello. Like I'm very like in my own shell. And one thing that really helped me was that I was going to a team. So like I already had like teammates and then my teammates allowed it for me to be easier because I kind of had friends. I didn't have to make it because I had my team. Mm -hmm. So like as a sport, like you have your teammates, like really try to develop those relationships on the team so they can help you kind of like adapt and it makes the situation easier when you have like teammates or you have somebody you know there with you. Okay. So, okay. what, what, what made you decide to go to Ohio? What made me decide to go to Ohio was that um, I actually was playing in a tournament called March Madness. They have it at the YMCA every year. And um, it was a co-ed league, and my brother was the coach, my older brother. And I was the only girl on the team. And we're in a tournament. It was a championship game. We're playing an all-guys team. They're the best team in the tournament. We're kind of like the worst. And then finals, like, we're going back and forth. I'm having a big game. And then it goes down to, like, the wire. And they end up winning, like, last second. I think they hit a shot. But I had a really great game when I was playing against all guys, which was pretty, like, yeah. common for me because I was used to it. And then my mom was at the game. And then um, there happened to be a gentleman in the audience that knew somebody in Ohio. So when he saw me playing, he was like, okay, this girl's pretty good. And then he heard my mom screaming in the crowd. And she I guess after the game, he walked up to my mom and was like, your daughter's pretty good. I know uh, a coach in Ohio that would love to like have her on the team. And like before that actually happened, I actually manifested it. Like, I don't know what happened. I think I was playing for Team Canada at the time. We just came back and we played Team USA and they like told us. And I was like, yo, like I want to go to the States and play because they have the best basketball players. Yeah. So um, I had that already set in my mind. Okay. So when that happened, I, I knew it was a yes. I kind of, like, manifested it. So after the game, I go and see my mom, and he's sitting there, and I'm like, who is this guy? And then she's like, oh, this guy talked to me. He said um, he can get you a scholarship to go to Ohio. And I was like, yeah, for sure, I want to go. And my mom was kind of, like, hesitant. She didn't want her only daughter to go to, like, a, a foreign country, not yeah. know people, and, like, not be there with me. So she said no initially, and he was like, okay, if you change your mind, like, just get back to me. So for like the, the next six months, I kind of like begged my mom to go to Ohio. And then finally she let in. So like, I think I was 13, 14. I like picked up my stuff, packed my stuff and then moved to Ohio. And that's when I started my journey. How was the, how was the transition to go from Canada to the States? It was hard. Initially it was hard. I think I was kind of, I was a little bit prepared because when I was in Canada, I had already been to like, probably two, three different schools. So I was used to changing, but now I'm in another country, which is completely different. But um, the one thing that really helped me was that my mom worked a lot, and then I had six brothers. My dad was never around. So like when my mom was gone, we kind of had to like take care of ourselves. I took care of myself, but I also took care of my brothers. So I had a little bit of discipline and responsibility to like take care of myself. So when I ended up going to Ohio, like I already had that discipline which was like easier for me because I didn't need a parent to be over my shoulder. But like some of the things that I went through such as like living with teammates, having to deal with politics and all that stuff, pretty hard as a 13 year old. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of just, 
I was just pushing through. Like, I didn't really care. I just wanted to play basketball. As long as I was playing basketball, I was good. And, yeah, I just kind of, like, I just had the mindset, like, I don't care what happens. Like, I'm just going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what – at what time and point, and I guess when you're in Montreal, did you know, like, you know what? I think I'm pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm probably better than half these guys, you know? So, like, at what point, what point in Montreal do you know that? I'm not going to lie. I've actually never hit my head. I never uh, hit my head. Because what? I was always humbled, like, because okay. I would go home and, like, my brothers were better than me. So, like, okay. I saw myself in, like, in that context. Like, okay. if I'm not the best in the family, then I'm not that good. So, like, I was never the best in the family, but I was always striving to be. So, like, in my head, I didn't think I was that good. And I was a little bit naive and I was a little bit oblivious. Like, I'm not super, like, out there and stuff like that. I'd rather be, like, in the, like, just behind the scenes. So, I wasn't really looking at stats or anything like that. I wasn't looking at the top. But, like, I kind of realized that I was pretty good when, like, people would come up to me and be like, oh, my God, you're Chris's sister. I'm like, yeah. Joke about basketball. Like, they would say stuff like that. So, like, Obviously, like, I would understand that a little bit, but for the most part, like, if I went to the gym or I went to the park with my brothers, like, they, they'd beat my ass. So I never felt like I was good. <laughs> so, like, I kind of knew when I left, I guess. Okay. I did you did you always work, like, work out with your brothers and stuff? Yeah, always. Yeah, like, always. So there's seven of us. We all just go to the park, and then we play pickup. So we have a full team. That's, like, <laughs> plus two. So, like, we just play pickup with whoever's at the park and usually like older guys and guys that can really hoop. So we just go to the park and play. Okay. So yeah. you're the only female. Yeah. Every time. That's Every time. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember playing against your, your brother, Chris, he played for LaSalle, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I remember playing, playing him. Yeah. And, and did you, um, were good right away when you went to the States or like, were you like killing them or it was a transition? Like, when you went to the state in Ohio? I think, like, no, I was killed. I don't know why, but, like, playing as guys really was the best thing for me and, like, playing okay. football and all that stuff. So, like, I was always super athletic. I was always more athletic than most. I think when it got really hard is when I got to UCLA because then everybody's athletic and, like, mm-hmm. the numbers of, like, who's the best is smaller. Like, that pool of mm-hmm. the best is smaller. But, like, in high school, I was super dominant. I was always really good. In every, I know you went to you went to Ohio, or you went to um, Oak Hill, Oak Hill too, Oak Hill. Yeah. and then you went to Santa, uh, Santa, Modern Day, yeah, okay, yeah. So like, I, I guess what, what, so the one in California that was your best year, right? You had, or no? I think Oak Hill and Modern Day both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Were my best. Okay, so at what part, like, I guess when did you know, like, oh, I could go, I could probably go play UCLA. Or like, well, not UCLA, but NCAA, yeah, D1. Um, I started at Oak Hill. I just okay. started getting, like, boxes of, like, just offers. Like, Duke, Miami, Vanderbilt. Like, every school. Like, I had over 100 schools, like, that oh. just would offer me scholarships. And, like, I didn't care. I just wanted to hoop. So, like, mm-hmm. I would get literally, like, mail every day. Like, stacks of mails. Like, I had boxes of, like, DVDs of, like, just written letters from, like, coaches. Like, oh, we want you out of school, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I didn't care about that, so I wasn't really paying attention. I would literally take it, like, throw in the box. I never opened it. And then my senior year, when I actually had to decide, I was just like, I'm just going to play the year. I'm not going to care about where I want to go. And then I'll just figure it out after the season. So after the season, I sat down. At that time, I was living with Mike Brown. He was the coach for the Lakers. And he did a lot through, like, the recruiting process. So me and him sat down. 
we would like call schools and like try to figure out, okay, who do I have the best relationship with? What programs are they offer, offering? And then what school did I feel like I wanted to go to? So okay. after the season we did that, we came up with five schools. I think the five schools were um, Miami, UCLA, Kentucky, Louisville, and yeah. USC. Yeah. I think it was USC. So, and then Duke was six, but I knew I didn't want to go to Duke after talking to the coach. So I was like, no. Why? Why? Why not? <laughs> and in my mind, like, we just didn't have the chemistry. We didn't have, we didn't see eye to eye. I guess she was trying to rush the process, and I was really trying to take my time. Okay. So I knew, like, in her doing that, it was kind of like, it was kind of like a red flag. So I was like, yeah, that's an automatic no. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. Well, what, what were the, oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. No. Oh, you done? Okay. You good? Okay. <laughs> like, I want to know the struggles you went through, like, because, yeah, playing the States, for sure, it's different from here. And when Shaw, more physical, more, I guess, uh, athletic. Um, like, like you said, we just want to hoop. And you did really put up some amazing numbers. Like, I want to know, were there any struggle or challenges during that time when you're in high school before making your decision of where you want to go? Yeah, definitely. My first year, um, I went to Ohio. It's called Regina High. So the first thing was they're all girls school. Like I've never been to all girls school in my life. I was like, whatever. I just want to hoop. So that was the first struggle. The second was that I was living with a teammate, but it happened that like her mom was dating our coach and then her daughter was also on the team. But me and her kind of like played similar positions. So when I came in, I was taking some of her minutes and then it became like there was friction between us. So I would have to go home to that every day. And like, obviously her mom was like, on her side, that's her daughter, right? So like, there was, I would go into that and it was like super, there was so much tension in the house. Like I would just like stay in my room, I wouldn't come out. Oh. Like through that process, obviously I wanted to go home and like be with my parents and stuff like that. But it kind of was just like, you know what, push through it. So after that happened, not long after the season ended, the school closed. So I was like, I don't have a school to go to next year. And I was like, the one thing I didn't want to do was like, I didn't want to go home. In my eyes, that was failure. So after the school closed, I was like, what am I going to do? So I ended up talking to one of my friends, his name Rome. He actually went to Providence and he knew a guy in Ohio that he, he was like really close with and took him in. He was from Canada as well. And he's like, call him. Like, I think he'll help you. So he was like my last option before I was going to go home. And then he happened to know people. And then that's when I was able to like, go and live with him and like move to a situation which was better for me where I wasn't being as neglected or having to go through some of like the tension that was like building up in the house and yeah that was some of my struggles and then also just like missing home and not having anyone to guide you at that age kind of like just have to figure it out on your own so yeah okay and you just said that Mike Brown who was the coach for the Lakers at that time helped you make like kind of guide you or help you with the decision But you went to UCLA, which is in Los Angeles. So I'm thinking Mike Brown, Lakers, <laughs> UCLA. So <laughs> was it like, like, it, did it make it easy for you to just go to a UCLA knowing that maybe Mike Brown was around or his family was around? Like, I don't know. For the most part, like, I did, it, it, it got down to, like, two schools. So it was Miami and UCLA. I really want to go to Miami, like, Before I went out to make my announcement, because we had this big, like, announcement. You know how the guys have the hats and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Like, we had it, but we had it for, like, all the basketball players, all the volleyball players. So it was, like, big at Modern Day. 
So like you would go up and like you would announce and it's a big thing and like the whole school's watching them. So right before I go out, I already knew I was going to my, like I had my choice made between those two. But I don't know what happened. I just ended up in the moment picking UCLA, but he oh, did. Oh yeah? Yeah he, yeah. he did end up having an influence on that because for the most part, like I've never had like really family come and watch me play at that moment, like at that time when I was playing basketball. So I wanted like somebody who I felt like was family to be able to come to the game to support me. And if I needed anything, they would be there. So yeah, he did influence it a little bit. How did you, uh, how did you end up, I guess, getting familiar with, with Mike Brown and his family mm-hmm. from, uh, yeah. All those. So a guy that I call, he's like my father, I call him uncle. So the guy that, after the Ohio school closed down, his name's Mike Duncan. So after I met him, me and him got super close. And every year he would go to Mike Brown's house because Mike Brown's his best friend for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. So I happened to live with him. He's like, let's go. Like, we're going to go see Mike Brown. I didn't know who he was. I didn't even know if he was an NBA coach. I had no idea. <laughs> so we, we roll up to the house. I'm like, yo, the house is huge. I'm like, yo, what does he do? <laughs> and after meeting him, like, I figure out he's an NBA coach for the I was the Cavaliers. That's what oh, And then um, I met his family, and then we got along super well. Like we hit it off really well. And I guess Mike Duncan, which the guy I was staying with at the moment, Mike Brown's best friend, he was talking to Mike Brown about some of the struggles I was going through, and he knew kind of a bit of my backstory. So um, after he got fired from the Cavs, he got the coach for the Lakers, and he was like, "I understand, like you're going through some stuff, but." Like our family really likes you and like we really get along. So if you want to come to LA and live with us, wow. um, we'll yeah. take care of you and like we'll be your, your guardian for the moment. And then I was like, yes, I was definitely not <laughs> going to know. <laughs> so that's how we um, developed it. Wow. Okay. And how was your first year at UCLA? My first year, for the most part, it was pretty hard because like, Every time you change, like you go to a higher level, it's always just like an adjustment process of like understanding like what the team wants, what your role is on the team. And then obviously there's always just better players. Like in high school, it was pretty easy for me, but now it's like college and yeah. they're, they're quicker. They're just as quick or quicker, but they're also smarter and they have the experience. So I couldn't really get away with most of the things that I would get away with. Okay. But I was going into a team that was rebuilding. So um, I think... My first year, we had about we have four girls that were like prospects for the WNBA. So our team was pretty stacked, and so I just came in and I did what I needed to do. I didn't have like much of a bigger role as like the other girls. But then my second year, when they all graduated, that's when I had more of an opportunity to really do what I did best, which is score and have the ball in my hands. So like, yeah, every year was different. I couldn't say like they were all similar. Um, your uh, yeah, as I was gonna say, your second year, your numbers just jumped, you know. Right. Yeah, from 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 points, rebounds, assists. I don't know what what you do that summer. Do you do anything different that summer, or to get ready for the year after? You know when that four players are graduating, like we're leaving. So what'd you do? I didn't do anything different. It was just that I had I was I was in a role that I was comfortable with, and I was accustomed okay. to, so like a scorer. So obviously okay. that felt like it was home for me. But also like when you go to college, it's like a different. It's a different like strength and conditioning routine. They actually have you in the weight room. So like my strength and conditioning coach, he was like, I would say he was like a football strength and conditioning coach. Like heavier was better. So I was obviously lifting heavier, doing more in the weight room. And then he did a lot of conditioning. So I was just like 
physically in shape, I was just better. Okay. And I was winning the NIT championship that year. That was that year, right? It was a year after that. So oh, year after that? Yeah, so my oh, okay. junior year, we won. And then, yeah, then after that, we went to the C16. Yeah, how was that? How was that experience? Um, it was, I, I loved it. It was dope. I mean, we were pretty mad. Like, we actually didn't want to go to the NIT because we felt like we should have been in the NCAA tournament. So it was like a slap in the face for us to, like, be invited. And then mm -hmm. our coach talked us into it, and she was like, no, this is an opportunity for you guys to get better. So obviously, we just went. We didn't really want to be there. So as the tournament progressed, we kind of were like, okay, we have a shot at winning this because we're, like, killing teams. And, like, we really come together because mm -hmm. throughout the whole entire year, we're kind of just not on the same page. We had all this talent, but it didn't really show in our games and for the wins and losses. So, um, yeah, it was just like a – it was a learning experience. We really gelled in that tournament and we kind of like saw like, okay, we have potential. And that's what kind of like fueled us for the next year to go to C16. And I was playing for her, like Corey Close, that's, that's the name yeah. of the coach. Yeah, I was playing for her. I know she's been coaching for like for a while. Like I was playing for her. I love her. I mean, she's definitely very different than I am. She's very passionate. She's definitely very detail oriented. Um, I really like the fact that she cared. Like the one thing that, she taught me that like I didn't really understand as a young person playing basketball is that like you're more than just a basketball player like you have this platform so use it to give back and like whenever we were off the court we always did like charity events where we go to like houses and like we like have like goodie bags for like for like um families that were like in poverty and didn't have much so we go to their houses like have food like clothes all these sort of stuff and then we go to the house and like we meet the parents and we meet the kids and we kind of like interact with them. We go to like homeless shelters and all that stuff. So like the one thing that she did teach me was that to give back, like you're you're super. Um, you have this platform and it's, mm -hmm. it's it's a privilege. So use it to give back and like be a service. So that was great. And also, I was playing uh, for Team Canada and representing your country. How was that experience? Cause I know you, because I know you play like a Pan Am, you play a junior national, Every level it's, it's senior. <laughs> so, so when you're like, hey, which, which year are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's one that like you'll never forget. It's going to stick with you for like the rest of your life. It's mm -hmm. definitely, it's a different experience. Like when you're really representing a whole country and like you go to every game and you put the jersey on, like it just brings like a different energy. Like, Obviously, I went to UCLA and obviously I went to WNBA, but like something was different about you just having that red and white on and saying Canada. So like for me, it was like an honor. Like I just love the whole process of like me, like kind of just making my way through the ranks and like seeing my game develop and then understanding that I'm playing for something bigger than myself. So it was cool. And, and um, also I was playing in front of your family because I know the Pan Am game was in Toronto in 2015. So I was... Yeah, I was playing in front of your family because I know you were away for a while, so now they were able to come see you play. So how was that? No, I loved it, actually. They actually surprised me because I didn't know they were coming. Oh. And then we're in warm-ups. We're about to play the game. And, like, I just see – I think somebody tapped me on my shoulder and, like, yo, Nara, look. So I look in the corner. It's obviously my family. They have, like, a big poster and it says mm -hmm. Nara Field, and they're all, like, yeah. smiling and waving. So that just gave me a boost energy to be like, you know what, like, I'm going to put on a show. I'm just going to really go out there and play hard and, like, just do it for them. Because that was the first time in, like, years they seen me play basketball. Wow. Yeah. Um, so when, when you're at UCLA, 
um, at what point did you know, you know what, WNBA could be an option here? I didn't even think about it. I mean, I think like people were talking about it and there was whispers here and there. And like for me personally, I didn't feel like I had my best year, like as the scorer, because that's what I define myself as mm -hmm. as a basketball player. So like I was just like, if it happens, it happens and I'll be happy. But I wasn't really focused on it. And then I think I was in my dorm room. I knew the draft was on. I didn't want to watch it because I was scared. And then um, I was just watching something in my dorm room. And then I get like 20, 50 text messages like congratulating me that like I got drafted. And it was like, I was like, really? Like I had to like go on my phone and like go back to where they said it. And then. So you, so you didn't watch it? You didn't watch it? I didn't watch it. I was scared. I didn't want to watch it because I was like, if I watch it and then it doesn't happen, it's going to hurt even more. So I'm just yeah. going to, I just don't want to watch it because it was okay. just too much uh, yeah. um, I know, I know during your time at UCLA, there's some big, big names that came from the men's side during that time. So when you're there, remember you're a scorer, right? You're, you're averaging what, 17, 15, like you're averaging all these points um, throughout your, I guess your four years. Um, and then like all these names are coming out of like the men's side. And you, that's what I'm thinking. Weren't you like, you know what? You have a chance of going to WNBA, you know? So like, didn't that, did that push you? Did that push you in more to like, I guess, go harder? Uh, the one thing that pushed me to go harder, it wasn't even about them. Cause like the guys were cool. And like, it was very different, like for men to go to the NBA than it is for the WNBA. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really see it that way. Okay. But what, the one thing that I did see it is that when I was younger, like it was my number one goal to go to WNBA. Like I had literally a poster of Candace Parker and I said, I'm going to go to WNBA. That was my goal. And I put it in my room and it was like a big picture and I would just like look at it every day. And then, yeah, like somewhere along the lines, like when I left and I started traveling and stuff like that, kind of got lost, but I always had that goal of like, okay, I just want to go to WNBA. But my senior year, I didn't feel like I had a great year. And I was like, like a lot of girls in my class, there was like Brianna Stewart, Mariah Jefferson, like all these big, big time players. So I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. But when it did happen, it was like, it was that relief. Like, okay, I finally like made my dream become reality. Yeah, that's so cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. what, what was the memorable, like, can you, do you have any memorable games that you played throughout your four years? Yeah, I, always, I don't know why. I always played good against Oregon. So we played Oregon, I think it was my senior, yeah, it was my senior year. and. I wasn't shooting good from the three. So, like, they came in and they knew I was, like, a driver and I could get to the rim. So, um, they were kind of, like, giving me the cushion. And, like, Oregon, if you don't know how they play, they play, like, in the zone. They're not super athletic, but we had a lot of athleticism. So, that was their game plan. So, I come out, and then my first shot is a three, and then I hit it. And then from then on, I think I hit five or six threes. I hit six threes. I had, like, 21 in the second half. Like, killed them. I had 31 for the game. And that was one of my memorable games. And then my highest scoring game was, what was it? I think it was 38. We played a team. I don't remember the team, but that was another game. And who would you say was the toughest uh, girl to guard? <clears throat> That's a great question. Uh, toughest girl to guard. Uh, oh, maybe team, maybe. For Team Canada, when we played Team USA, the toughest definitely was, I think I was guarding, what was I guarding? It wasn't, yeah, I was guarding Simone Gustafs. So she was the hardest to guard. And then in college, it would have to be, it was Kelsey Plum. Kelsey Plum was the hardest, because we played her often. 
Jeez. Um, so uh, I guess when you made the WNBA, if you walk through the whole experience, for a lot of people, I'm sure, you know, that's a dream, right, for every female uh-huh. athlete or even males, you know, to go to the NBA. So that mm-hmm. process, once you figured out that, oh, man, I made the team, what happened next? So basically, when you make the team, it's like your whole life kind of, like, changes. Like, you're no longer a student. You're, you're now a pro athlete. So for me, it was um, – I was still in school. I had one class that I needed to – pass in order to graduate mm-hmm. so it was that summer of the summer school and I was in I think I was in two or one or two classes and then they called me I got drafted and like the next day or that week I had to like fly out but oh. I was still taking classes so then um I had to choose she was like if you don't come you're not gonna make the team so you kind of have to choose between your classes and like go I mean, it wasn't even like a question for yeah. me. Like I'm leaving. <laughs> like, <laughs> my dream, I'm out. So like, I leave that week, and then as I'm leaving, I'm, I send like emails to my teacher to let them know like, okay, I got drafted. This situation, I'm not going to be able to come to class. Can I like somehow make it up? So he allowed me to make it up. So I did most of my stuff online. I had to do all my essays online. Okay. And then when you get there, they put you in a hotel, and it's like when you get drafted um past the first round you're not actually on the team you still have to try out oh, so i came in and obviously like two of the greatest players to ever play the game Grant yeah. Stewart and Brittany griner those are my teammates and like they have a great team so i was like okay i gotta go in and really like perform yeah. i'm not gonna make the team so when you go in they only have like one or two spots available so you have to beat out somebody who's actually already been on the team for a while so it's actually harder for you to do that. So I go in for like a week. I'm doing well. Like I'm keeping up because I can do it athletically. Like I'm in shape. Like I kind of prepared for it. So I'm doing well. The one thing that was hard was like understanding the plays and like what they needed and the reads. So that was an adjustment. So I actually didn't think I did that well. And then we started playing like two exhibition games. And then two ex- after those two exhibition games, they make the team. So they let you know if you're on the team or you get cut. So I did the two exhibition games. I played okay. I wasn't really good. And then uh, after the two games, she calls me in. And I'm thinking I'm going to get cut because it's like you don't know in that situation. There's like the head coach and the GM sitting right there, and they call you in to like let you know if you made the team or you did it. So I'm thinking I didn't make the team because they both kind of look unhappy or something like that. I just was like reading them. And then I go in, and then I figure out that I made the team. So I, obviously I'm happy. And the girl that didn't make the team, actually, that I took her spot, she had been on the team for, like, two or three years. So, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of, like, something that never happens. And then after that, it's just, like, you, they get you your own house and got to get your car and all that stuff. And it's, like, you just live the lifestyle of, like, a professional athlete. Jeez. Yeah. I, I was playing uh, with uh, the GOAT. I was playing with her. Like, what, what's make her special? Her work ethic. Like, yeah. one thing that, like, I noticed about her, she's super cool as a person. Like, she's super, like, spunky. Like, she's funny. Like, she's always, like, kind of, like, silly in a sense. But she's super cool to be around. She's fun. But it's, like, her attention to detail. Like, she'll come in and, like, her footwork is, like, perfect. Like, her form is, like, perfect. The little things that you don't really notice if you're like an amateur player compared mm-hmm. to like a pro, like she notices it. Like if you're off a little bit, she can tell like, okay, this is exactly what you did in order to miss a shot. Like she's super like finite on her details. Like it's, it's like 
it's kind of like Steph Curry. Steph Curry understands like the footwork, the mechanics, and all that stuff. All that intellectual stuff. She's really good at it. She's not super athletic, but she understands what she does well. And then she kind of like she just perfects the little things. Yeah. Okay. So um, it, um, the whole WNBA career, did you, what, what, I guess, what was the good and bad that you took from it? Um, the good, I would say, um, just playing against the best in the world. Like, it just makes you want to be better. And, like, it, it gives you a mindset to really push yourself and to see how good you are against the best in the world. The bad is, like, it's actually a business. Like, they really don't. They don't care. Like, if you're not it, it doesn't matter if you don't have a job or you don't know where you're going to live after. Like, they'll cut you, like, like, that. like, just like that. And it's like, bye. You can't even say bye to, like, your teammates. You're just done. No? Yeah. Pick your stuff up and, like, go. So, like, when that happened to me, I was like, yeah. Now, like, it kind of, like, hit me in the face. Like, okay, I'm in the real world, the real world now. So, mm -hmm. that's, when it, that's when it really hit me. And did you play overseas for a little bit, like um, after or in between the year that you played in WNBA? Yeah, so after I got cut from Phoenix, I actually went to a trial for Atlanta. I didn't make the team. And then that year, I played overseas for three years. So my first year was in Turkey, second year was in Hungary, and then my third year was in Poland. Okay. What, what um, I guess, the, the transition of you playing WNBA, the best, the best in the world? to mm -hmm. go in to play overseas. Um, what, what was the biggest difference for um, you? The culture, the culture shock. So you go in and then people don't speak your language. You're pretty much the only black person. Like my first year in Turkey, there was a guy and like he couldn't understand the fact that I'm black and I wasn't from Africa. Like in his mind, every black person was from <laughs> Africa. And he's like, oh, you're not from Africa? I'm like, no, I'm Canada. Like he didn't understand like the fact that Black people don't only come from Africa. But, like, that was the biggest thing. And, like, obviously your teammates don't speak English. Like, some of your, some of your teammates speak English, but it's, like, broken English. They, like, tell you what the coach is saying, mm -hmm. but it's not very, like, clear English. So that was the biggest thing. And then food. But I'm, I'm not very picky when it comes to food. But it's just, like, you kind of have all that time alone. And, like, it, you literally feel like you're alone because, like, there's no one kind of like you. You're kind of like the foreigner. Okay. Can you, um, um, kind of going back to the WNBA, can you like uh, just describe, just explain a little bit, a typical, I guess, day in the life of a, a WNBA player, like practices and games, like how your, your schedule was and everything? Mm -hmm. yeah. So actually for Phoenix, we're pretty chill because like our teammates, they're older. So they couldn't like in college, like they would run us to death. So we go three hours, two hours in on the court and then an hour in the weight room. and then probably once a week or twice a week we do conditioning after in the evening so like I was I was used to like really just going and working really hard and the league is like you're on your own like if you want to get better come to practice but it's not going to be super intense or it's not going to be individualized to like help you get better that mm -hmm. you have to kind of like do off the court or like on your own time mm -hmm. so we go to practice so wake up at like 7 8 a.m I would just eat quick breakfast I would go to practice um we some of the players would get like massages or like get stretched or taped up I didn't have to do any of that I would just go in and then um you either have the option to do your workout so your weightlifting workout before or after practice I was just went before because I just want to get it over with 
So I go in, do my weightlifting before practice, and then we go to practice, practice for an hour or two hours. And then after that, you go home, do your thing. Like if you want to chill, eat, do whatever you want. And then some days we have two days, but not often. So we come back in the evening and do the same thing, just work out and then go to the plays. And if we had a game that week, the, game, the day of the game or the day before, it's always just prep. So we prep and understand like, okay, this is how we're going to guard so-and-so on a ball screen. This is how we're going to, I don't know, this is how we're going to play defense. This is how we're going to run our offense and stuff. So it was really just prep. And then I just repeat. I think after the game, we get a day off. And then we go into repeat. Mm-hmm. Were you were you watching a lot of films? Films like to yeah. Get better? So I watch film on myself. Um, most of the time, I go with the coach and ask me to watch film. But that was just like you do it when she had time and kind of like figure it out. Okay. You, you you think that's something like maybe guys or girls should be doing at an early age because I guess some 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 people they only start watching tape in college or when they play pro. But you think that people should do it like at a younger age like high school or yeah uh, it just depends it depends what the player needs like for me i could get away with it a bit because i was super athletic but like some people who don't have the athleticism and really need like to understand the iq of it yeah it's helpful so like it just depends what the player needs if they're really skill oriented and they need the iq do it because it can help Either way, it's going to help you, but it's just like, it just really depends. Some people are not good with dumb. They're just better at like doing the work and then figuring it out or like stuff like that. So it just depends. Okay. Do you have any like, uh, any message to the, I guess, the people that I guess are trying, because you went, you, you moved around a lot, right? Going from different mm-hmm. high schools and then, you know, UCLA and Phoenix and playing three overseas. So you moved around a lot. Do you have any message for anybody out there that, you know, is scared, I guess, to make that move just because I guess it's a different country, it's a different, culture you know so the only message to them and how to maybe ease to make it like it's it doesn't it's not as bad as it sounds mm-hmm. yeah uh, for the most part it's like you have to understand what your conviction is and like what your purpose is and what your drive is like for me the reason why i wanted to leave is because like i was like we we're poor like we didn't have a lot of stuff so like for the most part like i just didn't want to live in poverty anymore and like I just didn't want to be in that pain associated with living in poverty and struggling and like not having enough. So although I was scared to leave, like my fear of like staying where I was, was greater than my fear of leaving. So like the person just has to understand that yes, you're going to be scared. Yes. It's going to be uncertain. You're not going to know what's going to happen, but if your drive and your motivation is bigger than that, then it's always going to overcome that fear. And that's what it did for me. Okay. And after your playing years, right? What are you doing right now? So right now, literally trying to figure out life. So like, it's like I didn't understand. Like, I guess when you play basketball, everything's super structured. You know what you're gonna eat, know in practices, and like literally that's your life. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like trying to figure out. Like I actually just had to figure out how to pay taxes. I didn't have to pay taxes when I was overseas. I've never had to do that. So now I'm like figuring out how to pay taxes and like literally trying to figure out how to live in the real world without yeah. basketball. So one thing I'm interested in right now is I'm actually having a training program. I'm going to do a couple of camps and training sessions. And I'm also, um, I'm in the process of becoming a life coach. So 
to get certified and like have my own business and stuff like that. So oh. right now I'm going down the entrepreneur route and like want to create a business with the life coaching and also the training to help kids and guide them. Okay. Um, um, so why did you, st- why did you stop to decide just to, you know, um, kind of basketball is kind of done for me right now. When, when you decide that, why did you decide that? It was last year. And like, it was just a lot of deep reflection. So when you go overseas, obviously you have practice and basketball is like your life, but that's like two hours out of the day, two to three hours out of the day, you're playing basketball. And for the rest of the day, you kind of just chill, like you're alone, you do your own thing. So for the most part, um, I did a lot of reflection and I, and I had to figure out like why I was losing my love for basketball. And I kind of realized that for so long, I was, I was using it as a vehicle to get out of poverty to like, to, for me, it was like personal because my dad left when I was young. So I wanted him to regret leaving. So I was like, I'm just going to be super successful and like make him realize that when he left, it was like mm-hmm. the worst thing he could have did. So that was like my driving force. But then after like I achieved all this success and basketball was going good, I really didn't feel fulfilled. Like I wasn't happy. Like as I was when I was growing up playing, it was just like I played because I loved it. So I was losing a lot of that and I wanted to understand why. And then when I got to a point where I was successful and I did prove them wrong, I had everything I wanted. I was like, is this it? (laughs) Like I want a gold medal. I have all everything I want. I'm making good money, but I don't feel happy. So then that's when I kind of decided like, okay, the one thing that makes me really happy is giving back, being okay. able to impact people and like serve people. That's when I feel the most fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I knew I couldn't do that with basketball because when you're a professional basketball player, everything is about you. Everything is like egocentric, centric, like yeah. meaning that if you win or you score 30, it feels good. It makes your ego big, but it's not fulfilling. It's just temporary. So when I figured that out, I was just like, you know what? Basketball is not it. Like, I'm trying to fill a void with basketball, and it's not working. So that's when I figured out, like, okay, let's go somewhere else and see where it takes me. Okay. And do you miss it sometime? And second second question is, does some people are always calling you or telling you, oh, Nara, you're so good. No, keep playing, keep playing. And how's the pressure of when people, I guess, always telling you, oh, you only 25, 26, keep playing. Right. Like, before I retired, I asked, like, a bunch of people, what should I do? And, like, I didn't understand that. Like, I already knew what I wanted to do. I just wanted somebody to confirm my decision. And obviously, like, nobody knows how I'm feeling but me. So from the outside looking in it looks like i have a perfect life i have success i have the money like i'm doing really well like i'm just at the prime of my career so they don't understand like the backstory so they can't really give me an accurate answer and obviously like them telling me i'm good and them like understanding that i haven't made is is cool it was cool obviously but i knew deep down like okay this is not what i want to do it's not making me happy and i want to do something else so it wasn't hard after I told myself, like, no one can give me confirmation but me. Like, mm-hmm. If I want to stop playing basketball, it's on me to, like, stop. And when I realized that, I was like, yeah, it didn't matter. And actually, I don't miss basketball. Like, you, don't, you don't miss it? Don't miss it. I actually, oh. like, I don't know why. Maybe I played it so long. But, like, yeah. I can go to gym for, like, 10, 20 minutes. And then after that, I'm, like, bored. I'm, like, I can't. I got to go somewhere else. <laughs> That's but, how I feel. And it's weird. 
do you do other stuff to I guess stay in shape or yeah so I still I still go to gym and like I weight lift and I do cardio obviously like that's always going to be a part of me yeah. do you play in any hoop leagues or any no, at all I, I, I literally just retired so I have no desire maybe exactly. a year or two but uh -huh. yeah like I just had it I'm like I just want to take a long break from it okay so is there a chat is there a chance maybe in two years you might pull a jordan and come back you know <laughs> hey, maybe but i don't i don't right now i'm like, like i don't need to play that okay. okay and and where are you staying right now are you back in montreal stayed and uh, stays where, where are you at right, right now? now i'm in the saga um so i'm trying to build a company here so with the training and stuff like that i'm actually gonna do a couple of camps in Montreal. i'll go back and do some camps when COVID's done so yeah that's all in the way oh, that's okay uh where Montreal would you do the camps like uh do you know you have an idea back to dj sports or yeah probably dj it would probably be good or like uh, if yeah. you need a, if you need a gym let me know you know because uh sure. yeah, yeah. I, uh I'm a, I'm a i'm a coordinator at a do you know the uh the the jewish ymca Oh, where where is that? It's on the carry, the carry. It's um. I've been to like everyone say. If I see it, I probably. For sure, you say yeah, yeah. So I take care of the gym there. So if you need a, a gym, you know, yeah. it's a okay. big two points. Yeah, yeah. Let me yeah, know. I'm yeah. Take word on that. I'm gonna hit you hey, up. Oh, for sure, for sure. Let me <laughs> know. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So during this uh time that we're in, the the pandemic and stuff, like, what are you doing to stay in shape or to, or, I guess, what do you do with like you know. Are you doing any day lives, I guess? No. Um, so I'm doing a lot of running. So I do a lot of sprinting. I'll go to like the track and do some cardio. So mm. I'll do that like every other day. But for the most part, it's just like push-ups. We have some like resistant bands. So it's a lot of body weight stuff. Very mm. different from what like I'm accustomed to. But I always okay. try to like get something in at least an hour a day. Just kind of like do cardio and then do like weight lift. Not weight lifting, but body weight stuff. Okay, and um, do you stay in contact with your former teammates? Like, do you still talk to them or? Yeah, some of them. So, like, two or three girls from UCLA. And then I was supposed to do a camp with Kia before this all ended. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, do you have any message for, I guess, because a lot of, um, when, I go to, when I go to a lot of gyms, a lot of girls that, you know, that are young, they don't want to play with the guys. You know, because it's either they're scared no of physicality, yeah. Either they're like, ah, I'm nervous, ah, they'll block me, or blah, blah, I don't know. So do you have any message for them saying, like, go for it, you know, because look where it brought you, you know. So a lot of them would appreciate it. So do you have anything to say to them? Like, don't be scared. Like, obviously, like, I still have that fear, and I still have that, like, like that in the back of my head. Like, if I get hit, is it going to hurt? When you're actually in it, like, initially you're scared, but when you start getting in the flow of it, it's just like playing with girls, like, Obviously, the first step is always harder, but if you can force yourself to really just go and take a chance, no matter if you get blocked, you can get blocked all the time. Like, <laughs> everybody used to, like, take the ball from me, but, like, every time that happened, it just made me better. So I just kind of, like, embraced the failure, and I would go in, and then, obviously, would see, like, my game progress, and I would play better against the guys. But the more you do it, the easier it gets, so just do it. Okay. Um, now we're going to play a little game. My my game is, can you name me your starting five, all-time starting five that you play with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what I've played with. Brittany Griner, Dennis Rossi. <laughs> Dennis Rossi. Kia is killing it right now. Kia Nurse. Um... 
From DJ Sports, Fat Two. I don't know if you know Fat Two. She's like super tall. She was really good. Um, and the last one would be. You can put yourself, huh? Oh, <laughs> I was. Uh, <laughs> my name is Markel Walker. He was the best passer I ever played with. I played with her at UCLA. Awesome. And, who, and who's the coach? Who's the coach? Yeah. Who's the coach yeah. I ever played for? Yeah. Moses, Moses. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out Moses. <laughs> um, okay, and me, um, so this game is called Start, Bench, Cut. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to give you three. Okay, you have to start one, bench one, cut one. Okay, so obviously being able to represent your country, Team Canada, on all the levels mm -hmm. together. Um, so all, right, all the levels, um, be, going to the Sweet 16. Okay, and being able to play, getting drafted to the WNBA. So when I start? Yeah, and which one would you bench? Which one would you cut? So start, Diana Crosby. Bench. Uh, uh, it's a good one. Uh, I would have to bench Brittany, sorry. I have to bench Brittany. Cut, I would have to say, yeah, I would say Kia. Yeah, okay. Kia. So yeah. now, so that's fucking good players. Now, which, which, um, in your whole, I guess, the where, where you got in your life, so playing for Team Canada, play, playing WNBA, and March Madness, which, which, which of these would you start, bench, or cut? Start WNBA, bench, NIT. Yeah, cut NCA. Wait, you cut uh, okay. NIT. I mean NIT. Did I say NIT? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. How about Team Canada? Throw in there. Which one? What, would you bench them? Cut them? Like. Oh, so you want it from Team Canada? Yeah. Uh, so then I'll do it again. So start WNBA. Yeah. Bench Canada, and okay. then cut NCA. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And and there's one thing we forgot to mention. Um, I was experienced playing in an all McDonald's American. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you like you're the only only girl the first from, yeah, yeah. first female. Yeah, yeah. playing to play all American Canadian female. Yeah. How was that? I, I was like, experienced. That was dope. I mean we went to we went it was in Chicago and then there's obviously like all the guys in high school that are gonna go to college but are obviously pro players. So that year, who was at the McDonald's game? That was there. So it was from Boz Muhammad was one. Um, Jordan Adams. Who else? Oh, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was there. Who else? There was, like, a couple of guys there in the NBA that were there. Mm -hmm. and it was, like, cool to, like, see, like, all the big-time players in high school for the guys and the girls. Mm -hmm. And, like, that year was the first year they had the girls, like, um, they, were, they had the girls in the dunk competition because I think – Oh, yeah. It was Brianna Stewart who was able to dunk and another girl. And so they had let the girls in the dunk competition and she came in second. So it was like cool to see that. And then obviously to play in Chicago at where the Chicago Bulls played, that was cool. Yeah. We play our game and then they get us like a box and then we just be able to watch the guys' game. So it was super dope. Oh, wow. And yeah. let's say another last question yeah. because I guess I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> Throughout your four years at UCLA, who was the best player 
like that you saw play at UCLA? Was it Zach Levine, Napier, Jordan, Adam? Like who was the best player? The best? Cal exactly. Anderson. Yeah, Kyle is there. Kyle's slow. I don't even like his game. <laughs> but he was football. I liked him. He's a good guy. Uh, the best? The most consistent and the best, I would say, was um, – what's his name? He plays for the Raptor. Oh, Norman Powell. Yeah, Norman. Norman. I think Norman was the best. He was more consistent because when Zach was there, Zach was okay. He didn't play a lot. He came off the bench. And then he started to, like, make a name in the NBA. Okay. Kyle was good, obviously, but, like, I just didn't like his game. He was too slow for me. Jordan was always – Jordan was really good. Like, he was – he would knock down everything. He was, like, their best scorer. Shabazz was good. Looney was there, I think, yeah, last Tevon, year. Tevon, yeah. Tevon mm-hmm. was there, but he didn't play well. Norman played probably the best out of all of them. And Shabazz Mohamed, how was he, he? He was good. He was up and down. Like, mm-hmm. he was inconsistent. He still made it to the NBA, but, like, I don't think he's in the NBA anymore. No, no. He's always been, like, up and down. Norman was, like, the most consistent. Okay. Okay. Well, listen, Anara Fields, thank you so much for being in this uh, this uh, episode and, you know, talking about your journey that I wish many, both males and females, you know, dream, dream of, you know, and and sharing your, your journey and how the, the, the challenges, I guess, struggles, the, also the, the joyful part of it, the the good stuff apart about it. Thank you for being a part of it and sharing with us. We really appreciate it. Merci. Merci d'avoir accepté l'invitation encore. C'est sûr, il y a beaucoup de personnes qui vont regarder l'interview puis qui vont être fascinées de tous les trucs que tu viens de, de dire. So, merci encore <laughs> d'avoir accepté. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for having yeah. me. It was fun. Yeah, good, good. All right, to our listeners watching and listening, subscribe on all platforms. Once again, my name is Seth Moa, a.k.a. Essay. My name is Kenny, a.k.a. KGL. And stay tuned for our next episode.